you're listening to Politics Explained. Back to basics in the political sandpit with Rodney Hyde and Tane Webster. Here on Reality Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde, and we've got Politics Explained, Back to the Basics in the Political Sandpit with Tane Webster. Good morning, Tane. Good morning, Rodney. Well, we have our text, 2057, you can send us or email us inbox at reallycheck.radio. And have we a question, please? Yes, we do. So Lee has sent in a very good email. Uh, So he says, I think you should devote a large part of a programme to the upcoming Auckland Council consultation on Maori ward seats. It is clear that many in the council wish to retain the IMSB and have Maori ward seats. You have an in-depth knowledge in this area, and I think the council is not transparent with their information as most of the Auckland public have no idea about the power and influence the IMSB already has. Also, they are selected, not elected, and are accountable to no one. I made the point that nowhere in the Western world, or anywhere for that matter, is political power and power over budgetary matters given to a group of people who are legally accountable to no one. And then he he's linked, have a look at this newsletter article, which is from a really good website, democracyaction.org.nz. So I think start off with what is the IMSB? It's the Inde- what is it, Independent? Yeah. The Independent Barry Statutory Board. And it's a shocking, shocking thing. And I'll give you a little bit of history. Uh, I was responsible for replacing the nine councils that were administering Greater Auckland with one. And the idea was no infrastructure decision could be made for Auckland um, and nothing could. It was really gridlocked. You may recall, whatever you thought of the stadium, the central government offered Auckland a stadium and they were going to pay for it. And the councils couldn't agree on where it would go, and it never went ahead. So a free stadium to Auckland was lost. But that was a very silly example, but it emphasises the inability for Auckland to decide the big infrastructure questions that were confronting it. There's a lot that's wrong with local government, um, and it tends to get sort of labelled onto the idea of this large city, but no one's suggesting we go back to nine independent councils bickering over what should happen that was even worse in the process of course i made it very plain that there would be no separate maori role that everyone's vote would be treated equally john key in the process came up with the idea promoted by peter sharples that why don't we just do what we do for parliament and we have maori wards and maori seats for the council and this thing got quite a head of steam on it and John Key was really pushing it, you know, to sort of what would be placate, you know, the Maori Party. And it got to such a point where I actually had to say, well, you're the Prime Minister. With the Maori Party, you've got the votes and you can vote for it, but I won't be Minister because I can't in good conscience guide legislation that is going to be separatist. It's against every principle in my body and every bit of DNA in our party. And so proceed all you like, 
but it won't be with me as minister. Now, John Key was brought up short by that and didn't want to lose a minister sort of early on. And so he said, fine. And Peter Sharples went away very disgruntled. The funny thing was, I realized with John Key subsequently that that just meant oh. Peter Sharples was going to get something very bigger, big later on as compensation because John Key was <laughs> really And that's how the UNDRA got signed. Right. Because he felt he had to give Peter Sharple something and he got the UN Declaration on Indigenous Peoples. Right. So that was all right. We were busily, it was a huge job, unbelievably big job. I had great people doing it and um, setting up an entirely new council. And, but it was fought. Um, people don't realize how big a, it was the biggest amalgamation ever attempted in Australasia or biggest restructuring. And the funny thing is we didn't amalgamate them. We built an entirely new council from the ground up. And everyone was sacked. We sacked every person in, um, who worked in a council. And when we re-employed them, we had 2,000 less managers. So it was an extraordinary job. We employed everyone below a certain tier because we couldn't deal with that. But in the top tier, we just we didn't need 2,000 managers across Auckland, which is extraordinary. But it was a big deal setting that up. And we were getting anxious because it could have all fallen over. And we had to do it within the three years because people needed to vote for their new council. And at the 11th hour, I got gazumped by John Key and Peter Sharples with this independent Maori statutory board. And they had prepared this legislation behind my back. And I was absolutely horrified. And they used the device that I had said there'd be no seats. So they said, well, this isn't seats. This is a Maori statutory board. It only has an advisory capacity. And I said, we can't have this because it's divisive. And when it comes to a vote, this is even worse. Yeah, well, how do they get, how, do the, how does it get decided, this, this independent Maori statutory board? How many members are on it? It's decided in the legislation. Statutory boards are a common thing in local government, yeah. but not Maori ones. So this was going to be, you know, you have a statutory board to do a function. This was going to be a, a Maori one. And the idea was, in John Key's mind, it wouldn't have any power. All the power would be with the council, and this would be just something that you'd consult and ignore. It's a very funny story how this transpired. <laughs> uh, it's a very funny story. It shows you the danger of identity politics i'd forgotten it's all coming back to me it's like a nightmare so we um i was hoisted in a way because i had said you know there'll be no elected things so i hadn't put my foot down about this but i thought well the only thing i could do again is threaten to resign but the reforms and the restructuring was in a precarious state. And I knew if another minister came along, that'd be some weeks getting up to speed, like who to trust, who you rely on, where the issues are. It's not something, it was like a deeply embedded experience. More the people who, who I could trust and who I couldn't, I'd learnt that through the process. And I thought the wheels would just go flying off this thing. 
no matter how good they are. And a lot of ministers much better than me, but I thought they're just not going to be able to get up to speed. So I'm going to have to lump it and suffer this Maori statutory board. I actually voted against it, my own piece of legislation. I voted against that clause. The ACT Party did. But the Maori Party voted for it and got it over the line, and then you had to vote for the whole legislation. It was just horrific. But then it got worse because then the Pacific Island community, they wanted a Pacific Island statutory board. Oh, my God. Well, that's that's kind of the trend, though, isn't it? Because it you've does. got a it ministry does. for Pacifica. Yeah, yeah, and I said to the Prime Minister, I said, Prime Minister, we did this to get rid of nine councils and get one with like a mayor and a council and they could make decisions for all of Auckland. Now you're creating Bosnia, you know, where you're going to have these warring tribes. Instead well, the of next one will be not, the next one will be an in, independent Micronesia statutory board. You know, no, no. The out. next one was Chinese. Pandy Wong. I am serious. Pandy <laughs> Wong was Minister of Ethnic Affairs. He came up with a proposal to have an Asian statutory board. Oh, we have, have to have one. It'd be like a mini United Nations. We have to. Have it was. One it was. And they're like, we were rolling around the floor groaning and laughing because here we were going from nine councils to 23 <laughs> statutory boards racially selected in order to run Auckland. And the weird, stupid thing was, as I recall it, was they got lesser things. So the Pacific Islanders didn't get a Maori statutory board, but they got an advisory council and the Chinese got something that they could meet and talk to. I think, by the way, that's how... Mia Lynn Brown ended up with his girlfriend because there was an Asian group um, that were to consult, that the council had to consult with. And you'll recall that incident. That was actually <laughs> <because> <laughs> Patsy Wong had decided that you had to have this an organisation represent. It's unbelievable. So this, And, of course, this independent Mary statutory board forms, they get appointed, I believe, with Iwi in consultation with the council, it then became a huge argument over who, what Iwi could have a say and which Iwi couldn't. And then I started to be lobbied by Iwi who felt that the Nadi Fatuans were sort of Johnny-come-latelys to Auckland and that they were being smothered and raped and pillaged yet again um, by this Maori statutory board. It was just a nightmare. And it's the whole point about once you leave that principle of one person, one vote, there's no solving it. It just becomes tribal um, war. And I'm not saying tribal war a la Maori. I mean tribal war if it's Europeans too. One person, one vote is a very simple principle to adhere to. And when you depart it, there's no end to the division and the subcategories and the micro divisions that you can make to ensure representation. Yeah. Of course, not satisfied with that, they want to have the Maori statutory board and their cake and eat it too, and to have Maori seats. And it should be absolutely, it shouldn't even be debated. It's a bit like free speech. If you're living in a free and prosperous society, it's one person, one vote. If you're living in a free and prosperous society, there's free speech. It's not even a debate. If you're having votes determined by your race, 
you're no longer in a free and prosperous society. You're in a tribal society. You've already conceded the principle. And that's why it's so essential that the Maori seats be gone in Parliament, the Maori seats be gone on our council, and a Maori statutory board be gone. But to speak like this now means politically that you're undermining the power of a very powerful lobby. Why are they powerful? Well, because we conceded the principle. And we've got the Maori statutory board. They're not going to give that up without a fight. And also because we allow ourselves to be called racist for actually standing on the principle of one person, one vote, which is the total opposite. Of yeah, we've got, to, we've got to stop caring about that, that insult Absolutely. that's used. It's just Absolutely. You never I get anywhere if you, if you worry I about that. Care. I mean, if it's racist to have one person, one vote, I plead guilty. But, of course, we're not <laughs> racist to not have one person, one vote. They can define the word as they like. It's yeah. this Orwellian animal farm trick or that you you determine the word, you win the argument. So this should be resisted. But it's part of the deep cultural malaise that we've slunk into and which I'm party to. I was party to this um, Maori statutory board, for which I sincerely regret. Even my and my worst nightmare never thought it would be as powerful as what it is. I thought the council would be brave enough to stand up against it. But, of course, they don't want to be deemed racist and so they concede enormous power to it which it shouldn't have this is so in this article in this article from democracyaction.org.nz he also covers that there's the IMSB is not the only avenue at Auckland Council that ensures Maori are involved in decision making processes so there's also a Maori outcomes directorate did you know about that no and there's no. also a Tamaki Makaurau Mana Whenua forum do you know about that? No. Well, I do know about them, but they're nothing. Yeah. They were just things that the council yeah. came up with. Then Brown comes in. Um, and, of course, we have voted for this. Mm. We have voted for this. You know, we vote for it over and over and over again. Um, and we get what we vote for in a way. But also, too, understand this, that there's a very powerful lobby. Yeah. And um, we're one person, one vote type of people, and there's a very powerful lobby in the air and winning. And the council civil servants and the council politicians are very, very willing to concede this power because it gives them more power. And they can be mm -hmm. negotiating and they just love it. They just love this stuff. They love it because it makes them important. It's like you're sitting more, around. More bureaucracy. More bureaucracy, more groups in the room, chatting, chitting, what should we do here? Oh, we better go and consult with the mana whenua. Oh, we better go and consult with these guys. Oh, better do this and better do that. It's all politics, politics, politics. Rather than, yeah, we had our vote two years ago. This is the council that we've got. We've got to decide X. What are we going to do, fellas? Oh, let's run off and, oh, we've got to go and talk to these guys. And so politics subsumes meritocracy and decision-making. Yeah. And so we flap around and flounder. Hmm. So we've got to wake ourselves up. The great thing is it's got so bad that more and more of us can see it. And when I was involved, it's very hard to argue against the hypothetical because, it's mm. again, it seems so reasonable to John Key that you have a Mary statutory board. <laughs> he just thought that was reasonable. 
because he didn't stand for the principle. And mm. you could never foresee how it would turn out. Now we can see how it turns out. Let's get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, it was a great, great um, email, and we'll try to get great someone. Email. From Thank Dem you, Lee. Mm. We'll get someone from Democracy Action on RCR. To, I would to love that. I would love that. In fact, we I should get them on my show because they could help me understand what's been happening. There we have it with Tane Webster. Thank you very much, Tane. That was Politics Explained, Back to Basics in the Political Sandpit. Please uh, send your questions in to us, 2057, or inbox at readilycheck.radio. Say uh, political question here, and we'll put it up. And Tane and I will discuss it and try and answer it as best we can. Uh, bear in mind, uh, we're not the sole source of truth. And we're open to learning. We're open to understanding. And I myself have been wrong more times than I've been right. So I'm always open and willing to accept alternative views and to learn. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. You're on realitycheck.radio. You're listening to Politics Explained. Back to basics in the political sandpit with Rodney Hyde and Tane Webster.